title of the message today is Place Settings. We're talking about God's hospitality, talking about our hospitality, and it's, it's just a key and central thing to Journey Life Center. We just feel like we need to be the light and the warmth of, of God's hospitality. We need, to sh- we need to be his arms and his legs, amen? We need to be his heart. We need to be uh, th- that, that Christ th- showing himself through us. So I wanted to preach this series, and I know it's kind of different than what I usually preach, but I feel like we need to do it. We need to preach this and share this, and I think we're going to be a different church as we get through it. So uh, the title of the series is Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? Guess Who's Coming to Dinner? You may remember that, well, most of you aren't old enough to remember the movie, but maybe you saw it. But today I want to talk about place settings because if you're going to have a meal and you're inviting people, one of the things you always think about is where's everybody going to sit? Because it's important. You want to, you know, maybe some people are talkative, some people are not talkative. Some people you want them to sit together because it works. Some people you want to put on opposite ends of the table because that works. <laughs> you don't want to sit these two together because, you know, you could have fireworks. So, you know, if, if it's a formal dinner, it's a, it's a big deal. And how, how many believe sitting at the king's table is a big deal? So it's wonderful to know that you don't have to wander in at the king's table and just kind of hope that there's a seat left for you. You not, not only is there a seat, but you have a little name tag. Your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. That means you have a name tag at his table. Glory to God. I don't know how many of you have been to functions where you actually got to have a name tag at the table, right? Whoa, a lot of you. I guess you y'all get out more than I thought you did. Okay. <clears throat> So, so it's kind of neat to come into a beautifully set table and you're looking, where do I sit? Where do I sit? And, and then you find your name there. Amen. Praise God. But here's the thing. Jesus is throwing a wedding banquet. And there are place settings. If you think about it, this whole thing started with Adam and Eve and their wedding day. And their birthday. (laughs) And every day. First day of life, right? So it started with a wedding. Jesus' ministry started at a wedding. And look at Revelation chapter 19. We know this whole thing ends. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory for the marriage of the Lamb has come and you're invited. And his wife, that's you, (coughs) that's you, his wife has made herself. Listen, you can't just wander in in shorts and a tank top. I'm not saying you have to dress up for Sunday. I'm just saying, I'm just saying that you need to do something and God has made it has helped you to make it... Listen, he provides a tuxedo. Oh, we could preach that. 
So he, so she's made herself ready, and to her it was granted to be arrayed in finally. Oh, you're going dressed to this banquet. Hallelujah, you're going to be dressed up clean and bright for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Oh, this stuff preaches all by itself. I don't need to preach this. Read the word. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those from Journey Life Center who are called, invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. Oh, somebody praise the Lord in this place. Amen. In fact, when Jesus is describing the kingdom, he often talks about and, and, and compares it to a wedding feast. We know the story in Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, let's read the story. Then he said to them, Then he also said to him who invited him, when you give a dinner or a supper, do not ask your friends, your brothers, your relatives, nor rich neighbors, lest they also invite you back. Well, I'm going to invite those. I'd love to go to his house. I'll invite him to my house. Come on now. And you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And by the way, this is not just physical stuff. These people were not allowed to go to church. They're not allowed in the temple. You can't have some physical deformity or disease. Uh, My God, How would that affect our attendance? If you couldn't come to church, if you had something wrong with you, or some little strange abnormality. But back then, you couldn't even go to church. So this is a huge statement because he's saying, not only bring them to church, but let them come over to eat. Because if they are unclean and you invite them to your table that makes you unclean some of us are more afraid of the world contaminating us than we are being light to the world and changing the world I'm not worried about what they can do to me, amen. I know in whom I believe, praise God. And I don't have a problem with that. But then he said to them, a certain man gave a great what? Supper and invited many, sent his servant at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. How many believe we're living in an age where God's saying it's ready? It's it's time to come. It's time to come. Amen. All things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. If we've ever lived in a time of excuses, it's now. It's like God just gets the scraps. If I don't have anything else to do, I'll go to church. If I don't have anything else to spend my money on, if there's something left over after everything, I got everything I want and all the bills are paid, then I'll give God a few dollars. Oh, you get quiet on me now? Are you hearing what I'm saying? 
if I have any time left, because I, I got to, but God gets the, isn't God supposed to get the first fruits? The first of your time, the first of your goods, the first of your attention. Instead of waking up in the morning and start worrying about your day, why don't you get up in the morning and say, good morning, Holy Spirit. Because while you were sleeping, God was plotting. While you were sleeping, he's assigning angels to your day. Amen. So the first thing you ought to do when you get up in the morning is say, God, what have you been up to? What have you been up to? So one said they had a piece of ground. Uh, I have to be excused. Another had five yoke of oxen. That's a lot of oxen. And, and I'm going to test them. I asked, you know, excuse me. This, this next one's got a pretty good excuse. Another said I married a wife. Okay. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. In other words, bring in the homeless. Bring in the disconnected. Bring in the ones that nobody else ever invites. Invite the ones that you never want to even see or smell at your table. Come on. Next verse. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded. How many believe there's still room at the table? Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come. You're coming to this banquet. Some of you need to just go to your loved ones and say, You're going to church Sunday. (laughs) Amen. And I'm going to take you out to eat afterwards. Why would $1,000 motivate you when salvation doesn't? I will give you $50. If it's a big family, $55, I'll go higher. So think about that. We need to start getting busy inviting people to the to the uh, banquet, go out into the highways, go into the hedges, compel them to come in. Why? That my house may be filled. God does care about numbers. Amen. He wants his house full. How many would like to see this house full? It's pretty full now, but I want to see it really full. Can you give God praise right now? Amen. So last week we saw Mary and Elizabeth and Zechariah, how they experienced God's uh, hospitality, how they invite, how they did hospitality to each other. I'm not going to preach that again. But let's look at the early years of Jesus. Let's see who else comes to the table. The first ones that get invited to the table are the shepherds. Now you got to understand, we think shepherds are cool. You, you drive by, oh, look at the cute sheep. Oh, they got a wonderful life. Back then it wasn't a wonderful life. If you were a shepherd, you were doing the job no one else wanted to do. Those shepherds did not own those sheep. The shepherd was at home, sound asleep, counting sheep. They did not own the sheep, and they were working at night. They were, ha- they were, they were on the... Isn't it interesting that the angels came during the night shift? 
Sometimes if you want God to visit you, it's not always going to be on your timetable. It's not always going to be at your convenience. Amen. Sometimes, I don't know why, but sometimes God will visit you in the middle of the night. And by the middle of the night, I mean in the middle of a crisis, in the middle of a storm, in the middle when you think he's far away, suddenly, out of nowhere, hallelujah, oh, glory to God, peace, goodwill toward men, angels appear, and God begins to move in your life in the middle of the night. Give him praise in this place. Woo, thank you, Jesus. They were at the very bottom of society. Later on, kings come at the very top of society. How many believe God wants to save everybody? They're all seated at the table. Can you imagine these poor, ragged, smelly, very bottom of society, barely got a job, uh, hoping for something better in life, and suddenly they're ushered into the king's chamber and into the king's table, and they're seated with royalty. I don't know about you, but that was me. Oh, y'all better than that. Okay. How many can say that was me? Oh, y'all looking good now, but I listen, I've been here long enough to know. I remember when some of you got saved. You were ragged. Amen. Come on now. But God has brought us through, and God has brought us out, and God's been a good God. Amen. You may have been a shepherd at one point, but you're seated at the king's table. My God, isn't God good? There's a Simeon. They go to the temple, and there's Simeon. Luke chapter 2. By the way, I mentioned we're going to go through the book of Luke. Can I give you a homework assignment? You need to read the book of Luke, okay? We're, we're going to get through like probably four first four chapters. How many will do that? You read at least the first four chapters uh, over the next week. But behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was just and devout. He was waiting. Say he was waiting. He was waiting for the consolation, capital C, of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Holy Spirit hadn't fallen yet, but it's that Old Testament where... He comes upon people. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Isn't that powerful? So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God. He saw Jesus in that little baby. Oh, that we could start seeing Jesus. In the smallest of things, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation. Now, I want you to catch this because this isn't just about him saying, now I can die. It's not like he, we don't know. We don't know how old he was. He might have been a younger man. We don't know. We don't know when he died. The Bible doesn't say he held the, gave the baby back and fell over. We don't know. So this is not just about his death. Listen to what, listen to what this is. God had given him a promise that was fulfilled that day, and now he's at peace. Some of us have been praying a long time. 
been waiting a long time. And it doesn't matter what your age, young or old, at some point, when God gives you the answer, God shows you the direction, God gives you he, he, he gives you the promise, the thing you've been believing for. Does that not put you at peace? It puts you at rest. Some of us are uncomfortable. We're just restless because we haven't. You know, where is God? He said he would do this. He said he would save our loved ones. He said he would do this in my life. And he hasn't done it yet. But oh, what a wonderful thing it is when God comes through on his promise. Puts us at peace. Puts us at... I don't know about you, but there's nothing more important than being at rest and at peace in him. Can I get an amen? He not only sees Simeon, he sees Anna, Luke chapter 2, verse 36. That now there was one Anna, a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity. And this woman was a widow 84 years. Y'all, start, y'all doing the math here? Married seven, widowed 84. Does that put her at 91? No. We don't know when she got married. This gal's 120 years old, okay? 110 years old. I don't know. She old. She did not depart from the temple. She didn't even go to the nursing home. She says, I'm living in church. But she served God with fastings and prayers night and day. A hundred, over a hundred years old? Wow. She gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for redemption. So she's fasting and praying. She sees the baby. And now she's telling. Listen, when you meet Jesus, you ought to really get excited enough to share that with everybody you know. Oh, that was a weak amen. How many can believe and say amen? But look who, I got to hear, look, look who's drifting from the table. Not everyone who's invited is coming. The Pharisees begin their downward decline. We read about Jesus when he was, what, 12 years old, going to the temple. And remember, Mary and Joseph lose him. I thought he was with you. Can you imagine looking for your kid for three days? How big is Jerusalem? Why would, I'm thinking, why wouldn't you go to the temple first? I don't get it. I don't know what these two were thinking. <laughs> but for three days they look for him, and for three days he's in the temple with the Pharisees. And we think he's teaching them, but actually the Scripture says that he was listening to them and asking them questions. How would you like Jesus to ask you a question? And they were amazed at his response. And for three days, there he is in the temple. But already the Pharisees are beginning to like, hmm, I don't know. I don't know about this. How many know they're already starting to drift? Remember when they came together, when they finally found him, and Mary's 
which I guess is a normal response, why did you do this to us? What, what, you know, what kind of mother, you know, what kind of a son, you know, what, 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 what is, you know, why did you hurt? Don't you know we were looking for you? And he says, I must be about my father's business. And Joseph's like, I didn't send him on any business. Don't look at me. It wasn't my fault. I didn't tell him to do this. No, no. How many know he was talking about another father? Joseph was really the stepfather. Mary's his mother, but God's his father. Isn't that a powerful thought? I must be about my father. So even at the age of 12, there's beginning. How many remember during his ministry, his, his family begins to go away, and his brothers and his sisters are like, this guy's nuts. I don't know about this. And there's this separation. The family starts drifting. We do see Mary on the day of Pentecost getting filled with the Holy Ghost with the rest of them. What a powerful thing. But, but there's that drifting away of the family. Listen, if you, when you really get on fire from God. There may be certain ones in the family that'll give you a hard time. How many know you got to go on anyway? You got to do what the Father tells you to do. Give him praise. Amen. He goes to his hometown. Let's skip over to Luke chapter 4, verse I think it's verse 14. He comes to his hometown. He goes back where he was born and raised. And Nazareth is not a big place. You know, maybe a few hundred people. It's not a very big place. So uh, it's in Galilee. So Jesus returns in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And news of him went through all the surrounding region. He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue. Uh, uh, and that synagogue, I think, is still there. It's really a, a small building. It's probably not big. I don't think it's as big as our platform. It's just a small building, one room where they would come and worship. And Jesus walks in that little room uh, on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read because you were allowed to stand up and read. It's kind of like uh, y- y'all come choir. Anybody? Can, oh, y'all don't even know what that is. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. When he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. How many know it was an accident? The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And they're thinking, Isaiah. And Jesus is thinking, no, me. Because, because is the purpose word. Listen, if the Spirit is on you, it's not for goosebumps. It's not for whirly birds. i got to stop that. It's not, it's not for a dance. It's not for a feel-good. It's not even to fall out in the Spirit. Listen, the Spirit is on you for a purpose because he's anointed me. He, he has made a way for me. He has called me. He has positioned me, glory to God, to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty, liberty. Oh, we're going to come back to that. Those who are oppressed. Yeah, 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 yeah. To proclaim, oh, we're going to come back to this, acceptable year of the Lord. 
underline acceptable. Then he closed the book, <laughs> gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. He didn't even preach. He just sat down like, that be me. <laughs> and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. Remember, remember, it's a small building, square, not square. And he began to say to them, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words. You know, people love you when you're gracious. But when you get real, <laughs> which proceeded out of his mouth, and they said, is this not Joseph's son? Now, I'm not sure what they meant by that. Did, are they saying, this is Joseph's son? Or are they, this is Joseph's son? I'm not sure which way it is. But he said to them, you will surely say this proverb to me, physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. They, they began to think, you know, if you're a prophet, we want you to be our pet prophet. We want you to be the city prophet. See, Nazareth, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? You know? I want to pick a town, but I probably shouldn't do that. Um, but, but can you imagine just coming out of some town that has no history and nothing, nothing's ever, nobody famous has ever come out of that place. And Nazareth, you know, maybe we got our own prophet and, and he could be the prophet for Nazareth and we can all be famous. Wow. He said no prophet is accepted in his own country. Sometimes you can't go back home because they remember your past and hold it against you. Some people can't get out of their head the way you were. And you'll always be that kid in trouble or you'll always be that guy on dope or you'll always be, and they can't get out of that to see you the way God has now changed you and made you. And listen, we, got it. we shouldn't do that to other people. We should never hold people back because we judge them by what they were instead of what they've become. Come on, church. We're all guilty of that, and we need to stop. We need to actually, you know, it's, it's great to be able to see faults in people. You know, oh, I, I discern trouble here. That, that, fine. But what's harder is seeing potential in people and seeing destiny in people. Come on, church. So when he, when he said, when he, when he basically said, I'm not going to be your pet prophet, they were, all, uh, they were all filled with wrath, and they rose. I mean, these people get angry quick. <laughs> like, they rose up and thrust him out of the city. They led him to the brow of the hill. We know where that is, by the way, on which their city was built. They wanted to throw him over the cliff. He really ticked these people off. I don't know if I want to be from Nazareth. This is an angry town. And this has always messed with my head. Then passing through the midst of them, 
Everyone's focused on you. They all want to throw you over the cliff, and you just say, see you later. I don't know if he did, I got to go to the bathroom, or I don't know what he did. But somehow, I guess, I guess they started arguing amongst themselves who gets to throw him over. I don't know. But while they're fussing, how, how many know God can confuse your enemy? God can confuse the demons that are against you in your life. Amen. That's one of, one of the things God does. So they fight them. How many know there's precedent for that in the Old Testament? So they, they come against it. I guess they came against each other. And Jesus is like, put his little hood. Yeah, you know, he had a hoodie. Yeah. They all had hoodies back then. He puts his hoodie on, and, and he, he, just, he just walks away. I love that. I love that about Jesus. How many believe he smiled when you? How many love Jesus? And he went his way. So the Pharisees, the hometown, the, even the family, they all begin to come away. But go, go, go back to where it says, I came to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And then he also says, I came, I came for deliverance, to set people free. Now, I want you to get this. I, I touched on this before, but I, I need to keep saying it until we get it. Because we, we Christians today... Uh, we're more focused on forgiveness, that we got to get forgiveness, and we do. And there has to be repentance to get forgiven. You can't get saved until you admit you're going the wrong way. So there has to be repentance and forgiveness, but it's not just about forgiveness. Because if that's all he does... He will never stop doing it. Because if you just get forgiveness, you're going to keep sinning. And you're going to keep needing more. Now, I'm not saying you ever get to the point of perfection. But I want you to understand, when the Bible says the acceptable year, and when it talks about freedom, what is the, the Greek word there, effects uh, uh, is, the Greek word there means to be separated from, to be disconnected from, to be removed from the influence of. In other words, he didn't just forgive you, he set you free from the power. Sin has power. That's why people are in addictions. We scratch our hands and why? Why don't they break free? Why don't they quit? Why don't they get out of that? Their lives are miserable. What's wrong with them? It's the power of darkness. It's the power of sin that holds them. It's not enough to say, uh, uh, God can't just say, I forgive you. He needs to say, I release you. You got to get that in your spirit. When the day you were saved, you weren't just forgiven, you were released. To preach the acceptable year of the Lord. What, is that? what does that mean? It's talking about jubilee. How many know about jubilee? Okay, that's another whole hour. But every 50 years, 
On the 50th year, 49, 7 times 7, on the 50th year, they would celebrate a whole year. They wouldn't plant any crops. They would live off whatever, you know, whatever God gave them the 49th year. Can you imagine not having any income for a year? Believing that God had blessed you enough earlier that he can get you through a whole year with no income. Now you're getting what they had to go through. So it was the, but not only that, all the slaves were set free. If you were a slave, it wasn't for life, amen. Everyone was set free. If if you lost your inheritance, your land, then whoever bought it has to give it back to you. Boy, that'd make life interesting. It wasn't just about the money. It was about the fact that every family from Joshua got an inheritance. It was their land forever. Amen. And if they lost it, God said, you're not going to lose it forever. On Jubilee, you get it all back. Hallelujah. And Jesus came. And Jesus came. And Jesus said, today is Jubilee. And I'm returning your inheritance. Glory to God. Woo! Boy, if that doesn't get you shouting, you need to come to the altar and get saved. I shouted quietly. Okay, amen. Isn't that a powerful thing? Jesus said, I came to release people from the power of sin. That release is your invitation to the table. Wow. And because you're free, you can come to the table. How many are getting what I'm saying? This is God's hospitality. How many know God's a hospitable God? He's only wanted one thing from Genesis to Revelation. You know what that is? To live with us. Does he need us? No. He did fine without us for eternity, whatever that means. But for some reason, he said, all right, I'm going to create time, and we're going to create people and give them a free will and give them a choice. And those who accept me, I'm going to accept them. It's the acceptable year of the Lord. Listen, the master is still calling. Let's come, worship team. Come and dine. Come and dine. The master calls. Come and dine. I want to leave you with one thought. And, I, and this, I want to quote it from Douglas Webster because he said it so well I couldn't say it any better, so I better quote him. The great secret of hospitality is this, that those who offer it benefit more than those who receive it. How many have experienced that in life? How many how many uh, old-fashioned cooking moms do we have here? You love to cook. You, you love a full table. Huh? Let's get as many as we can in there and let's have a kid's table and let's, let's cook this big. What is wrong with you? That is a lot of work. 
But they keep doing it every Thanksgiving, every Christmas, every birthday. They, 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 want, they want everybody to come home. And I'm going to cook. Why do they do it? I, I, think, I think they're getting more out of it than the ones who are receiving it. Oh, I feel it right now. They're being more blessed feeding you. And they're always hovering with a spoonful of dressing. Here. You look peaked. I'm 30 pounds overweight. You look peaked. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It just gives them the greatest joy to see you feed your face. To have the family together. Everyone seated around the table. And it's not about getting compliments necessarily about how good everything is. It's just, it's just the act of serving blesses their heart. They get more out of it giving than you get out of it receiving. It surprises me how many people do not know that lesson. And they really think life's more about what I can get. And I could be happy if I got more money, more attention, more fame, more I could be satisfied. I could be at peace. Wow. And all the time, they just keep accumulating more and more and more and more and more. I, I will share this. this. This multimillionaire met with Kyle, and I won't get into all the details, but here's what he said. He said, I, I'm over making money. It's no fun anymore. We're all like, I wish that was my problem. He said, it, it's, you know, I'm worth whatever, many, many millions. And he said, I, I'm just, it doesn't excite me anymore. I don't, you know, I, I, I could sell a building and make 500000 Yeah. <laughs> no big deal. But he said, I looked at your organization and realized I could make money for you. That gets me up in the morning. And me and the staff are all excited now about how we can be a blessing to far-flung tin can instead of how we can make more money. Isn't that powerful? Probably said more than I should have. I don't know. It's, 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 it's happening. It's in the very early stage. It's happening. God, God's going to use it. God. But I, I just had to give that as an example. Listen, you could be worth multiplied millions of dollars, but until you learn the power of hospitality, the power of giving, the power of blessing someone else, all that money, all that fame, how many, how, many, how many rock stars commit suicide? Millions in the bank. Millions following them on Twitter. 
please. Fame, adoration, loneliness, depression. They've never learned the power of hospitality. I want to challenge you through this series, and we're going to hit different things, but I want to challenge you to become that hospitality person. It's not enough for a church. I tell this to pastors all the time. They say, oh, we have an amazing team at the front door. I said, yeah, well, what about your church? It's not just about a friendly church. They, they eventually come in the sanctuary and see all the sourpusses. I tell pastors all the time. I said, I said, do you, do you, do you say, uh, are, are you new here? Raise your hand. And then they raise their hand. I said, all right, everyone, everyone turn around and, and greet them or turn around and greet each other. And here, here's what some people do. They're, they're standing here. These are some new people here. And, and they turn around and they see and they say, ooh, I don't know them. <laughs> yeah. I said, don't even do it. <laughs> Can't trust your people. Don't even do it. You'll turn somebody off. I don't mind doing it here because y'all, y'all have a spirit of hospitality. Y'all, y'all, this is one of the most welcoming churches that, that you'll ever. Y- y'all don't care if somebody even sits in your seat. It's okay. Because once I get to know them, I can tell them to move and I'll get my seat back. I gotta have my seat. I remember once in the old sanctuary, I told it. I said, I'm tired of everyone sitting in the same seat. I said, next Sunday, everyone has to sit in some other seat. I thought, I'll really mess with them. And I started preaching, and I was so confused. I couldn't hardly get through the sermon. I was just totally, I was the one that was set in my ways. Sometimes you'll teach yourself a lesson. Be hospitable. Is anyone getting the message this morning? Oh, my God. Somehow, reach out. Be a blessing. Touch. Listen, hospitality can be something just as as simple as how you doing. 